0: says a little darling.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. This is Eric Mann, your host. I'm in studio with our producer, Channing Martinez. And I want to thank Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi for giving us more news than we could even do in an hour. And I want to thank, I call the Strong Soul Sisters, some call them now the squad, but Ayanna Presley and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Klaib, Uh, well, you're kicking butt and not taking any prisoners, and you're making history. So this is exciting. We have something to be excited about. I, I want to explain what we're trying to do on Voices from the Frontlines, especially as we're moving only for the next year and a half <laughs> into the election, which is... Not this November. We're in July, and you may think so not this November. That's only November 19th. November 20th, 1920. 2020, I'm sorry. So uh, that means we have only a year and a half more of election coverage uh, so that in this country now, the election's over. And then whoever loses tries to impeach the other one. And they don't believe in free elections either side. I'm sorry, they tried to impeach Obama. They tried to impeach Bill Clinton. They did. Now they're trying to impeach Trump, so that's not my favorite tactic. You know, there's the thing called the election. They're not free elections. But anyway, we can get back on to that. But the more important thing is that there's a tremendous leftward shift in a small part of the Democratic Party so far that's pulling the whole conversation to the left instead of the right for once. This is phenomenal, and the Strong Soul Sisters are just to be phenomenally commended, and they're just on, they're on a roll because they say our squad is getting bigger. So what we're going to do today on Voices, and we are going to go to the funds, is I'm going to keep trying to explain to you, week by week, why we're now going to start focusing so much on this election because we're focusing a lot on politics and on Voices from the front lines. The squad, if they like to call themselves that, are making history. So they are on the front lines of history. So that's why we're focusing it so much. Um, now, I had a very good call uh, with a guy named James Burke. And James is the uh, was the organizing director of West Harlem Environmental Action for many years in Harlem. And he and I had a long talk about the show because he's now listening to the show regularly. And he said... This should be a very important podcast because he said, let me tell you if I think I know what you're trying to do. He said, "What you this is his words. He said, what you're trying to do is there are some people that just hate the Democratic Party and want nothing to do with it. And they're either going to vote green or not at all. And that's not who you're mainly talking to. Is that right? I said, that's correct. He said there's other people who just love the Democratic Party, and they're just trying to find their candidate. They could be Bernie people or Elizabeth Warren people or Kamala Harris people. Nothing wrong with that. But that's also not what you're trying to do. I said, so far so good. He says, what you're trying to do is get people like me who work in Harlem, people who are in social movements, to pay more attention to the debates inside the party. And actually, you're going to just call it like you see it. For instance, he said again, I didn't know that Tulsi Gabbard was so good on Iran. Iran. I, didn't, I was there, I heard it, but I didn't hear it, and you pointed it out. That was very helpful to me, to elevate something good that she did. On the other hand, Bernie, I thought, was terrible on abortion, and he was terrible, as I said, on the fight between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. That's my opinion. But we played the soundtrack. So the point is, we're not rooting the game yet. There will be a time when you have to not root it uh, yeah, root it strategically, because let me break it to you. Sometime in June 2020, there's going to be this thing called the Democratic Convention. At that convention, they're going to nominate somebody. And that somebody, God, please do not be Joe Biden, is going to run against Donald Trump. And then all the other candidates are no longer in the game. That's how it works. So the question is, where will we be in the game? Another thing I've been paying more attention to. Oh, well, I'm going to come back to that in a minute. What I mean by that is, even if someone is elected, including Joe Biden, because you can't control it, then what are we going to do? Are we going to just say, well, let's drop our criticism of Biden because we want to defeat Trump, if that's what people think? No. We have to build an independent movement so whoever wins, Trump or Biden, if that's the horrible choice, there is a movement. And in that movement, guess who's also running in 2020? Every single one of the members of the House of Representatives, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and they're going to run against her, they're going to run against Ayanna Presley. they're going to run against Rashida Tlaib, they're going to run against Ilhan Omar. And on the other hand, they're going to be recruiting, I'm sure they're out there recruiting now, a ton of new young women of color and people of color and radicals of all races who are going to run for the House to expand the squad. So this is exciting stuff. And I'm trying to understand it. So I partly, I prepare for the show as my own way to understand it. So you're following it so far? So if you are a person who cares about first that there's a million black people in prison who does not want a U.S. war with Iran, who thinks it's good that Trump uh, had some decent relationship with the North Korean government and doesn't attack it just because it's Trump, then this is the show for you. Voices from the Front Lines, what we call it like we see it. Now, where am I going to go from here? Uh, we have these clips, but first I want to read a wonderful letter that I got. Uh, do, do we have that? Uh, in the one that... Oh, yeah, yeah. So some of you get the email. Now, listen, folks. We've been getting a great number of emails to our site. Thank goodness. Thank uh, goodness. VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. We've been getting about five to seven registrations. We got this guy Ricky Herrera. I think he's a cool guy. He registered. So we're getting people that that call, that write in, and say, "I want to get the email." Which means, if you're on our list, we're calling it the Voices From The Frontlines Social Justice Community. Then at eleven o'clock today, you got an email from us telling us about the show. I'm going to read you some of the stuff that we put out today because one of the best letters I've ever gotten, it's very hostile, but seriously, at least it was thoughtful of someone who engaged the work who was listening because you want listeners. So for th- those of you who like this show, please write in or don't like the show, write to Eric at Voices from the Frontlines and most of the time we'll read your stuff. So uh, let's see. So here's the letter. It's called, Mr. Man, I've listened to your inflammatory hubris, subject line. Your diatribe against Senator Sanders on yesterday's show, calling him racist while praising his neoliberal competitor, was incendiary and stupid beyond satire. You went on to disparage all his supporters in a single breath, hypocritically demonstrating your own prejudice, racism's brother, to praise Kamala's pretty theatrics, contradicted by our own record. While calling Bernie racist for answering with specific policy goals, which will directly benefit the underserved, you sound more like a gaslighting show for corporate media than a supposed progressive commentator. I was there in 2015, goes on Matthew, when Bernie's stage was taken over by Black Lives Matter protesters. He listened, he made diversity and inclusion a top priority. He moved the awful Democratic Party left and continued his legacy of inclusion and civil rights. By your twisted logic, not only is Bernie a racist, but I suppose Cornel West and Nina Turner are also racist for supporting them. Laughable. Cornel West and Nina Turner are black. Bernie deserves criticism for sticking with a counter-revolutionary party that screwed him and democracy. But without him, the party would barely even be discussing progressive politics. Half the candidates wouldn't be emulating him. There wouldn't be much of a mainstream progressive movement at all. To claim without irony that his imperfections amount to racism, you'd have to be a special breed of useful idiot. For the sake of actual progress, please quit your job. KPFK and the progressive movement deserves better. Almost as bitter as you, Matthew. Last time listener. Uh, Matthew, Uh, I bet you are listening in today. I bet you're not really a last-time listener when you found out we're going to read your letter. Uh, I'm not going to even rebut it, really. I mean, it speaks for itself, but I do want to explain a little bit on content because that's not what I said, but it it doesn't matter. This is a good letter. I mean, seriously, it's an interesting letter. If you're a Bernie supporter and you listen to Bernie and he doesn't take the stand that you expect, what are you going to do about it? are you going to write and say Eric Mann called it like he saw it? I mean, he didn't do anything but listen to you, Bernie. If you ask Bernie, what are you going to do about abortion? And he talks about rotating people off the Supreme Court. You know that he's not paying a lot of attention to the real problem of women facing the loss of abortion rights. If you listen to the fight between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden on a very important issue of civil rights law, and Joe Biden says he does not believe that the federal government has the right to order busing. That is exactly what Eastland and all the other racists in the South said. That, that is states' rights. We've lost any sense of outrage about that. But in that moment, the young girl, Kamala Harris, who was on the way to school and was bused in Berkeley, California, with yes, there are racists there, too was very poignant and very effective, and Joe Biden was very racist and very dangerous, and Bernie couldn't even figure out what to do about it. So I stand by that. I know there are people in the Bernie camp who agree with me. So you don't need to defend Bernie. If he's, you, know, The main goal is to send me an email and say, good point, Eric. I'm sending Bernie a letter to say you better tighten up on abortion rights. Hey, Bernie, you better reverse your position and make it clear you support the federal use of busing. That's the purpose of our little show. And it, someday it'll be a big show, but having a lot of influence. But at least that's what I'm trying to get to do. If Elizabeth Warren says that she wants to have Medicare for All, and she says we're the richest country in the world, we can afford it, I expect someone in the Warren camp to say, Elizabeth, don't say that. We're the richest country in the world because we stole. We, not we. The United States stole from Mexico, stole from Vietnam, stole from the Philippines, the United States invaded the United States and the indigenous people are on reservations where they have virtually no land rights anymore. So please don't say we are the richest country in the world, Elizabeth. Just say that you support Medicare for all and give the reasons why. I think there are people in the Warren camp who would say good point and I'm going to write to her about that. That's how we try in a small way to influence this election because it's interestingly the people who are most committed to a candidate who can have the most influence. Because they could say, he, he's not going after you when you know when she nailed it, he he gave her a lot of credit for it. So do you get where I'm coming from? I am reaching out to the people, in particular, who are advocates for candidates, to push them to the left and to correct policies if you don't agree with them. And secondly, for people in the movement who think the election is a sham, we gotta pay more attention, folks. This is we live in a bourgeois dictatorship. That's what we live in. Yes, it's a two-party dictatorship, but this election in 2020 is a very, very historic moment, and there's got to be a a broad united front to defeat Trump. Sometimes I'll emphasize that, sometimes I won't, but I've made it clear 14,000 times. But right, sometimes we're going to focus more on the chaos of the Democratic Party and try to support those people in the Democratic Party who are doing the right thing. Okay, now... Channing Martinez, thanks for everything. What? Tell me about the clips we have, and in what order you think we should play them. Um, sure. I mean, the the just to follow up on
2: what you're saying is the other thing that he says is we're progressive commentators, and we are not. <laughs> um, and you know, there's a very important distinction. A commentator comments on things without any real goal of doing anything, but you know, just contributing to the conversation. And, you know, the distinction is that we are organizers, and we're trying to organize people to actually do something that sometimes they don't actually want to do. Uh, so just, you know, that little correction.
1: Well, that's important because that's what organizers do is get people sometimes to do what they don't want to do. That's great.
2: So we have clips. We have four clips. We have a clip on Biden, which I didn't know who—never You know, never mind. I
1: won't say that. <laughs> well, let's play that. Let's start with Biden you got that? What is that number one? That is number one. All right, let's hear our friend. And by the way, I have a new organization. I, I'm of the co-chair because I'm looking for another co-chair. It's called <laughs> ABBB, Any Betty But Biden. Let's put it on now.
3: What do you
4: think of how Nancy Pelosi is handling the caucus, especially the young freshmen and all the I, I think
5: Nancy and- is masterful. And that doesn't mean I don't respect I do. I think the... The freshman of Pickley AOC is smart as hell, Mm -hmm. really bright, and really a value added to the party in terms of her pushing the edges and pushing and pushing. But Nancy knows what she's doing. Nancy understands that it is, you know, there's a total of, uh, you know, some total in the Congress, 535 folks. Yeah. You got to get them all moving in the right direction. You got to get them moving. And no one, I mean, it's ironic. I heard someone criticize Nancy for not being liberal enough. Uh, Hello. (laughs) So I I just think it's, I think she's doing a masterful job. I have great respect for
4: her. Watch young people coming in the business and I, you know, watch their work. When you watch these new young freshmen coming in, specifically AOC, who you just mentioned, if you could give her one piece of advice, what would it be?
5: I wouldn't presume to give her advice. I'm not being a wise guy. Look, I campaigned in 23, 24 states for 69 people. I campaigned FOR VIRTUALLY EVERY MEMBER WHO WON, WHO BEAT A REPUBLICAN TO WIN BACK THE HOUSE. THEY'VE COME TO ME, OVER 20 OF THEM, AND SAYING, PLEASE, PLEASE, KEEP US MOVING FORWARD. I I DIDN'T RUN SAYING I'D NEVER TALK TO A REPUBLICAN. I DIDN'T Mm -hmm. RUN SAYING. AND SO THE VAST MAJORITY, AOC IS BRILLIANT AND THE OTHER THREE WOMEN WE'RE TALKING ABOUT ARE REALLY SMART but they are the exception rather than the rule. If you listen to the guys and women in your business, they say, that's the majority of people who got elected. We need that kind of energy, but that's not the majority of Democrats who got elected last time.
1: But we could just have, you know, forget about Trump for a while, just playing Biden. That could be a whole great show. Um, <laughs> do you, I want people to listen carefully I mean, I feel like I'm trying to say some things that I hope can make sense to you. He actually has a few good points in the middle of all the madness. I don't agree with them, but you need to hear what he and Pelosi are trying to say, and then I'll tell you how badly they're handling what they think they're trying to do. They got to defeat Trump. That's all they care about. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is in Queens and the Bronx. That's going to go Democratic regardless. It's in New York City. In New York State, that's going to be a a, a blue state. Uh, Ayanna Pressley is in Massachusetts. That's going to go Democratic. Um, Johanna Mar is in Michigan. That's that's a swing state right now. And they got a lot of white people in Michigan who are not nice people. They're not. I didn't say all of them, but seriously, and they are going to be very freaked out. So they're worried about her. And then Rashida Tlaib, I should know what state she's in. I think she's in Minnesota, but I got to check. And that's a swing state. So what they're concerned about, let's start with what they're concerned about. They're concerned about radical statements about race and gender and certainly challenging the U.S. empire. Michigan. Michigan, thanks. Oh, she's in Michigan too? Yeah. Okay. So if they're both in Michigan, then that's a a swing state right now. Used to be a strong Democratic state, it's not. So there's a legitimate beef that Biden and Pelosi are trying to figure out, which is they don't want, let's be very clear, they do not want the Democratic Party to go very far to the left. They don't. That's their strategy, to be a centrist party and for Biden to be the candidate of the centrists. That's the theory. Here's the problem with it. The Democratic Party as a white party has tried to keep people of color inside the party and give them almost nothing and say, just go along with the program because you don't want to elect Trump. And now these four women are saying, we're not going to play by those rules, right? So you're on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. You're also going to listen to us on VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com, and you're going to check out our podcast, which is on Apple, and Channing's going to tell you those other people who live there.
2: Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher app, and SoundCloud.
1: Okay. So let's go back to what Joe was trying to say. The first thing he's trying to say is they're really great people, but did you hear what he said that he's so— I'm sorry, I won't use any adjectives— He said, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez is is very intelligent, and the other three women, they're kind of intelligent too. You don't say that, dude. That is insane. He's already elevating her by intelligence. The white man is giving out intelligence awards to four women of color and grading them. That was shocking. I want to go back and see if we can find that, Ricky, actually find that in the early part of his quote where he says... uh, She's very intelligent, it's in the second quote, but the others are smart too. He he doesn't even get how outrageous that is. Uh, It's also the question of the system picking leaders for people. Uh, She's doing a very good job of building a team, and yes, she is in some way the the, the media most elevated person right now, but it's in in her interest not to be that because they'll be singling her out in ways that are not good. All right. But when he says that she is masterful, that Nancy Pelosi is masterful, um, the tweet Pelosi referred to was sent out last uh, month by Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff, Saikat Chakrabarty, and has since been deleted. When these comments first started, I thought that she was keeping the progressive flank at more of an arm's distance in order to protect more moderate members, which I understood, Ocasio-Cortez says in the interview. So you get that? Ocasio-Cortez is saying, I get what she's trying to do, which is hold the group together. But the persistent singling out, it got to the point where it was just outright disrespectful, the explicit singling out of newly elected women of color. Uh, All right, so basically what's happening now is that Pelosi is singling out the four of them. And then because of that, Trump has gone off to the four of them. So Pelosi started the fight with the four of them. Pelosi has singled them out first, and then, Pelosi, and then Trump, trumping her, says, why don't you go back from where you came?
2: Which, which we, we actually also have a longer clip of him the, the, explaining even more about that.
1: Good, can we play him now, Mr. Donald?
6: Well, I don't mention, I didn't mention names. And uh, if you're not happy here, then you can leave. As far as I'm concerned, if you hate our country, if you're not happy here, you can leave. And that's why I say all the time, that's what I said in a tweet, which I guess some people think is controversial. A lot of people love it, by the way. A lot of people love it. But if you're not happy in the U.S., if you're complaining all the time, Very simply, you can leave, you can leave right now. Come back if you want, don't come back, it's okay too. But if you're not happy, you can leave.
0: But these are American citizens. These are American citizens. Speaker so, so, Pelosi said you want three,
6: to make America three, three white of the women, again. Three of the women Is that were true? Well, that's just a very racist statement. Somebody that would say that. So, Speaker Pelosi said, "Make America white again." She said that's what that's you want to do. That's exactly racist. Are that's a very racist statement. I'm surprised she'd say that. Why do so you Trump. want to do that? Mr. President, three of three of the Congresswomen that you talked about were born in America. So, in terms of going back to fix the problems, what were you talking about? Well, they're very unhappy. I'm watching them. All they do is complain. So all I'm saying is, if they want to leave, they can leave, John. They can leave. I look at Omar. I don't know. I never met her. I hear the way she talks about al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda has killed many Americans. She said, you can hold your chest out. You can... When I think of America, huh? when I think of al-Qaeda, I can hold my chest out. When she talked about the World Trade Center being knocked down, some people, you remember the famous some people. uh, These are people that, in my opinion, hate our country. And all I'm saying is that if they're not happy here, they can leave. Mr. Mr. President, they're American citizens. But they're American citizens. There'll be many people that won't miss them. But they're American citizens. What do you make of the fact that they're American citizens? They have to love our country. They're Congress people.
0: And
5: I never
7: used any names. Are you but okay are with people, people thinking quiet, your tweets quiet, are racist, quiet, Mr. President? Quiet, are you okay with people quiet, thinking your tweets are racist, sir? Quiet. These I'm are
6: people
7: that if they don't like it here, they can leave. Oh. And I'd be, I, I don't know
6: who's going to miss them, but I guess some people...
1: What I don't think people understand is that he's very good at what he does, and I think that the the effort to ridicule him on Saturday Night Live, I think, is ridiculous and very destructive. You know, I have too many ideas for one show, but one another riff I have is that I have Lorne Michaels and Alec Baldwin yelling, five more years, five more years, because our show is so stupid that it makes the liberals think they're superior to Trump. And because they think they're superior to him, because they think he's stupid, they laugh. And he's laughing all the way to the election because he knows what he's doing. And to make him into such a one-dimensional figure, to have always Putin next to him, which has nothing to do with anything except bashing the Russians. Saturday Night Live is, uh, is you know, liberal democratic television. But they're appealing to the stupidity of liberals who just feel superior to George Bush because he didn't have good language. They felt superior to Lyndon Johnson because he was from the South. But these people can't organize their way out of a paper bag, the liberals, and they're in trouble. They're really in trouble. So don't underestimate this guy. For instance, she said, you're going to make America white again. And he said, why would Nancy Pelosi say to make America white again? That's racist. Nancy Pelosi said, America, did you not even get that? I think we have to take a break because I'm losing my voice. I'll come back, Ricky, okay? Put some music on. Thanks. I'm going to sing to that later if, if my voice holds out that I've been working on singing the Internationale. But here's what I'm trying to say. If you watch him, he's so smart. I mean, he's creating chaos every day. Every day, he's generating a new cycle that obliterates the previous news cycle. You can't trap the guy on anything because he's purposely, do you understand? He's purposely creating a new crisis to get you to fall for the bait that it gets him out of the last crisis he was in. And you're so stupid, Democrats, and I mean that, CNN, MSNBC, that you fall for every bait and you you think you're so profound, but you're talking to the same electorate. He has figured out that he's going to lose a certain certain small edge of moderates, not that many. He has to keep his base frenzied going into 2020. He's got to turn them out Bernie will not turn out the same level of mass white energy that this guy is. We have to figure out if you want the Democrats to win, who's going to have an edge to take him on? And we're watching that. I hope Elizabeth Warren can find that edge. I think she will debate him well. I think she's really smart. I think, I'll be honest with you, I think Kamala Harris will eat him alive. She's a prosecutor and she's a black woman. And I'm telling you that he does not want to go after her. I think he'll eat Bernie alive. I'm sorry, Bernie does not think well on his feet. And I think he's going to get him so befuddled that he's not going to know because he's going to keep saying uh, Medicare for all to every question. you got to move fast. So I think so far my preferences are uh, Elizabeth Warren and um, uh, Kamala Harris simply on the who defeats Trump issue, not who's right or wrong. So if you caught the clever, did Na- they say, are you going to make America white again? He says, did Nancy Pelosi say, make America white again? You don't understand. I do listen to right-wing talk radio. And I think sometimes they're so much smarter than the liberals. I listen not because I, I want to listen to how they're playing the card and how they're trying to keep the base going. You get it? So now, what do we got now on quotes? Who do we have now? So uh, the, la- play the last
2: on. thing is sorry Nancy Pelosi defa- because Nancy Pelosi was singling out the four sisters basically right, right. but then she also responded to Trump's tweet um and so you know this is her holding a press conference after that okay good
3: I I've said what I'm going to say in the caucus that's where my, uh, this is appropriate and I said what I'm going to say in the caucus they took offense because I addressed at the request of my members, an offensive tweet that came out of one of the members' offices that referenced our blue dogs and our new Dems essentially as segregationists. Our members took offense at that. I addressed that. How they're interpreting and carrying it to another place is up to them. I said what I'm going to say. With all due respect, I don't, maybe you didn't hear what I said. I said what I'm going to say on the subject. What I said in the caucus yesterday got an overwhelming response from my members, uh, because they know what the facts are and what we're responding to. We respect the value of every member of our caucus. The diversity of it all is a wonderful thing. Diversity is our strength. Unity is our power. And we have a big fight. And we're in the arena. And that's all I'm going to say on the subject. So, If you want to waste your question, you can waste your question. Yes.
1: All right, um, Morris has a joke, and Keith from Long Beach wants to talk, which is good. Um, I'm going to hold it for just a minute. I want to respond to Nancy, and then we're going to go to Morris and Keith. You want to talk to us on Voices from the Front Lines? You can call us at 818-985-5735. Um, right now, the Democratic Party is trying to clean up its act. Again, the, the four strong sisters, strong soul sisters are... Totally dominating the conversation. Everybody has to respond to them, just like everybody has to respond to Trump. Do you get it? They're the ones who are calling the question. People are for them, people are against them. People are criti- that means they are constantly getting the publicity and the attention. So, uh, there's a. The Democrats are trying to pass a, a resolution in Congress. Uh, that's going to criticize racism on the part of Trump. And it says, while some Democrats are pressing for a stronger resolution of censure, House leaders have opted instead for a narrow measure based on Trump's latest remarks in an effort to generate a unanimous vote of their party. This is Nancy Pelosi's argument. Let's focus on these comments that the vast majority of Americans recognize to be divisive and racist that the vast majority of my Republican colleagues in their hearts recognize to be divisive and racist that Rep. Representative Tom Malenkowski, Democrat of New Jersey, the sponsor of the resolution. You get what they're saying, vast majority, vast majority. They're trying to win an election. They're not caring about defending the Four Sisters. They're trying to find a resolution to condemn Trump in order to get elected in twenty twenty. We need to move forward with something that can be unifying. And right now, what we can y- unite around is that the president said it was wrong, un-American and dangerous. No, it was not un-American. Uh, oh, so while uh, Stephen Cohn, Democrat of Tennessee, introduced a resolution of censure that is stronger than this, endorsed by the squad, now that I got a name, among others, He said it would be more appropriate for the House to pass that than the measure scheduled for a vote Tuesday. Censure would put him in the class with Andrew Jackson, which is where he wants to be, and we should put him where he wants to be, with a president who was racist, who had slaves, and led the trail of tears, Mr. Cohn. Mr. Cohn, if you're a Jew, I want to thank you. You're a Democrat for Tennessee. I want to thank you in Tennessee. We have a different way of doing things, Mr. Cohn added. I'm not worried about getting Republicans. I think we ought to do what's right. All right, let me explain what's going on here. Nancy Pelosi wants to have and introduce a motion that says, Donald Trump, what you said was wrong about they should all go back to where they live. The end, we are good people. The Republicans won't vote for it in any way. And then, and it's not binding. It has no content to it. And it cleans up the act that I, in fact, Nancy Pelosi started the fight with the Four Sisters. Uh, you know. But this guy Cohn is saying, no, no, no. You've got to pass a resolution of censure. Censure means it's—which is much better than impeachment. Censure says every time he does something, you make a motion just criticizing him and telling him how wrong he is and then force Democrats to vote on it. So a motion of censure has no binding nature to it, but it's very important morally— so that means you got now Cohn standing up for them, is my point. So the Democratic Party is splitting. We have some people in the Democratic Party saying, hey, listen, what happened to those four sisters is really outrageous. And Nancy, you can't lead the fight to defend them because you don't even like them. And you, you're you the ones who singled them out. So she's got a split party. And then she's trying to pass a mealy mouth motion, not con- not really defending the sisters, but saying, Trump, you shouldn't have said this racist thing. So Democrats have a great time, okay? But I think here's my conclusion. Some good people in the Democratic Party are stepping up. And the four strong soul sisters are having a profound effect on Democratic Party politics. And then there's one more thing, uh, Morris. Oh, good. And I'm going to let everybody go. I don't have the quote in front of me, but here's something important. Bernie Sanders did something very good. You hear that? You heard it here first. Bernie Sanders did something good. In a quote that you'll find online, he said, they said, do you think Nancy Pelosi handled it well? He said, not really. Now, you have to remember, he's a senator. I mean, he's got to be careful in his own way. It's easy for some other people to say. He said, they're very valuable to the party. They're bringing social justice, gender justice, racial justice into the party. You need new blood in the party. You can't go after people who are trying to make the party better. That was great. And then they say, are you saying she didn't handle it well? And he says, I think she could have handled it better. Now, you may think that's understated. Nancy Pelosi is fuming over that because he's saying you did not include them in the party. You trying to exclude them from the party. I'm on their side. I'm not on your side. So Bernie... Carl, like I see it, that was really good and, and very important. And I think Elizabeth Warren in particular and Bernie are doing more than other people to support the four strong sisters right now. All right, you got it so far? All right, my buddy Morris has a joke. Hello, hey, Morris.
8: Hey, hey, how you doing, my brother? All Love right, you it's good. How do, uh, when you're talking to a Latino, right, a person that speaks Spanish, they're going to ask you, well, how do you say the United States of America in Spanish? You're probably going to say Los Estados Unidos de America. America. No, no. The answer is ladrones.
1: Now you have to tell me the joke.
8: Ladrones. Uh, the way you say United States of America is ladrones. Ladron means thief.
1: Thief. Got it. it thief. Got it. <laughs> thank you for the translation. <laughs> it got lost in translation, and my smashes are definitely D-minus. But I thank you very much, Morris. You got anything else?
8: Yeah, I wanted to share this with you. Now. Derek, don't get mad at me. I, now, I think th- this, this is the ticket. The ticket's got to be Papa Joe Biden in the front, and we're going to take uh, 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 Stacey Abrams. From Georgia. She's going to be the vice presidential candidate. No, she's not running, but we got a Democratic convention. All kind of stuff take uh, take place behind closed doors. We want Stacey Abrams as the vice presidential candidate because the number one voting block in the Democratic Party are women that look like Stacey Abrams. So you got to throw them a bone. Camilla Harris is not that bone, but I do believe that Stacey Abrams is that bone. We got to go with Papa Joe because now let's face it, where we live, we're dealing with a people, a country, a society that is ethnocentric. We can't deny that. Okay. People who are uh, 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 have melanin in their skins right now are not accepted by people who are melanin deficient, and we got to accept that and deal with it. So put Papa Joe at the top, put Stacey Abrams at the bottom, and uh, the the Democratic candidates that you got—all those issues that they, they want to do—put them all together and, and let's ro- go for it. But I'm gonna tell you something, Eric. I'm gonna tell you something. It wouldn't matter if you had uh, Louis Farrakhan <laughs> as the president of the United States. It don't make no difference if you got Mitch McConnell doing what he's doing in the Senate. So if you gave me a choice, I'll let Trump be the president, but give me the Senate in the House, then I'll impeach him. Work it, baby.
1: I'll work it, baby. All right, that was now, (laughs) the only thing I I don't agree with almost anything you said, Morris, except that I would definitely vote for you for president. And you don't throw, uh, she's not a bone. You don't call Stacey Abrams a bone. So that wasn't my favorite Morrisism, but I'll tell you something. Here's an example of what he's trying to say, That seriously, that everybody is trying to deal with the question of, can you get somebody good elected in the white settler state? He's trying to say you can't, so you got to vote for the white settler state, which is Joe Biden. I don't agree with him, but that's the logic. There's a logic to this, which is what the Democratic Party is trying to figure out. Uh, Keith in Long Beach, welcome to Voices from the Front Lines with Eric and Channing. Hello, how are you? Good, nice to hear from yeah. you.
9: Thank you very much for taking the call. Uh, I totally disagree with Morris. I don't agree with that thing he said. And respectfully, I disagree with you. Bernie has been thinking on his feet for 30-plus years, and he's been thinking the same way, my friend. And uh, Ms. Um, Warren, uh, who is, uh, I think, uh uh, similar to Bernie, but uh, not as committed, uh, is a, a candidate I can vote for. But let's remember, Miss Warren, while watching Bernie being robbed of the nomination, the the, the Democratic nomination uh, decided to uh, endorse the devil, Hillary, and Miss Harris, who you seem to be a fan of. Uh, obviously, maybe you're watching uh, network television regarding her. But let's not forget, uh, Miss Harris is the uh, jailer of, uh, single moms whose kids, uh, couldn't make it to school. Sometimes Miss Harris is, uh, the, 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 uh, top cop that wanted to keep young black and Hispanic men in prison, uh, cause they were cheap labor for firefighters during the fire season. Let's not forget Miss Harris, uh, having caught Mr. Mnuchin and his bank one West, ripping off, uh, nearly 100,000 uh, homeowners and putting a significant amount of them on the street with all the goods on him, decided to just take uh, a campaign contribution and let him walk. Miss
1: Harris. You get the last word, and then I want to respond. Go
9: ahead. state, my friend. So uh, Bernie is the man for our time, and I respectfully disagree with you. I think you're dead wrong, and I think at the end of the day, uh, you will uh, admit that. I know you're a big enough person. Uh, when it all shakes out, you'll be able to say uh, with pride and, and uh, with uh, humility, I was wrong about Bernie. Bernie is the man for our time. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Keith. Well, a couple of things. Um, I probably am a little too hard on Bernie, but uh, the first thing is very important about— so here's an example of just seeking truth from facts, meaning both everything he said was true. The issue of why did Elizabeth Warren support Hillary Clinton against Bernie is a very important issue, and I want to look back into it more seriously that is absolutely right because what Bernie did against Hillary was very courageous, and the Democratic Party crucified him, so including Donna Brazil, who was an operator operative for the Democratic Party. So point well taken we're going to do a whole thing on. Kamala Harris, word for word, there is an eerie, scary clip that we are going to do next week in which she is laughing and boasting. You see, it's even worse on on video Mm -hmm. of how she arrested and scared the hell out of black parents uh, to say that if parents did not get their kids to go to school, they would arrest the parents. She's speaking to a commonwealth club, which is a... uh, basically bourgeois club in San Francisco, in which she is, you have to see her, she's diabolical, it's scary as hell. So if I momentarily uh, said a specific point, that in an election between uh, Kamala Harris and Trump, I do think she would do very well, you've raised the point that I got to raise more clearly in future shows, that she has been horrible as uh, Attorney General, and she tries to play it both ways. So, Keith, uh, I'm not yet there, but you influenced me, uh, and I listen, and uh, you're very charming and strong, so nice job. Uh, Christopher in L.A.
10: Yes, hello. Um, A couple of points. So I truly believe that as long as we keep reacting to Trump's daily moronic tweets, he wins and we lose. And even even racist comments that he makes in this with with our four um, courageous women congressmen, if, if you think back, just whatever, before that started, he had just lost the citizenship question on the census issue. That was a failure for him. Acosta had just resigned. Because he let off Epstein, the rich, the billionaire Epstein, in a sweetheart illegal plea deal and many other failures of Trump. And so what he did, which is, I agree with you, he's masterful at, is he changes the narrative immediately,
3: says something outrageous,
10: and then you and I are talking about it and the press is talking about it on, on the, on, in the media, for days on end. Okay, one that's one point. Second point, Biden. Biden is not the answer. Biden, we keep as Democrats thinking if we just play it safe down the middle, we're going to attract the middle, if we're just more like Republicans, we will win. And that is what we do across the nation and that is why one of the main reasons why the state legislatures Across this country, and governorships, the Republicans control those legislatures.
1: Thank you very much. Um, I want to say a couple of things. There's uh, a great quote uh, from Rashida Tlaib, for instance, that says, as we all know, the recent tweets and words from the president are simply a continuation of his racist and xenophobic playbook. We can't allow these hateful actions by the president to distract us from the critical work to hold this administration accountable to the inhumane conditions at the border that are separating children from their loved ones and caging them in illegal, horrific conditions. I represent the third poorest congressional district in this country, one that's made up of working people who've been targeted by this administration. Their actions and words are hurting them today. I was elected to fight for them, fight for the 13th congressional district, They sent me here to Congress to fight back against the corporate assault and corruption in our country. So the point being, and there's a great quote from Ariana, Ariana Presley, that I'll get. If I'm speaking of the four sisters, could we at least a little bit relate to the four sisters? So far, we've talked about Biden, we talked about Trump, we talked about uh, um, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, but. Yes, they're all in the in the picture, but my main thesis, cuz I got to keep repeating it, is that these four sisters are shaping the history. And now for the if you if you know uh astronomy, picture that they're the center of the solar system now. And Trump is revolving around them, and Pelosi's revolving around them, and Bernie has to relate to them, and everybody's relating to them. And that's how you're going to be judged now. And they're doing the best job of fighting for immigrant rights, they're the best job keeping their eye on the prize. So I'll say it again, even if all of our callers don't get it, my main point is they are shaping U.S. politics as no one has since George McGovern, which is a whole other conversation. But this is for women of color, brilliant. And yes, a lot with with histories in third world countries, which is what the core of this go back to stuff is. So even if our callers don't keep saying it, I'm going to stay on message, which is I am deeply impressed. And if they want to call themselves the squad, I'll, it's a good name. They got everybody shaking, and everybody has to respond to them. A nice job, Amy Goodman, having them on the show and having all four of them there. Uh, is there anybody? I'm going to make a new thing now. You have to talk about the four sisters to get on the show right now. How's that? Is that fair? So I'm going to call anybody. If you don't start out by saying I want to talk about the Four Sisters, I am going to I will take responsibility to say you're not on point, motion out of order. All right. If you don't, then hang up. Uh, some are already. Bill and Santa Monica, talk about the Four Sisters.
11: Well, I, talk, I want to talk about them, but especially AOC. Uh, I don't know how much history you know, but this is so much like pre-Civil War. These are the Republicans who came into the Whig Party. These are the abolitionists at their time. Uh, I have no doubt, and I disagree completely with you on Bernie. If it's not Bernie or Elizabeth who don't win the presidency, in um, 1925, the person taking the oath of office will be a 35-year-old AOC. I firmly believe that. And uh, she, to me, is just like Bernie. If there was no Bernie... I don't believe there would be any AOC. And if you, the way you denigrate him, and you admire her so much, read about what she thinks of him. And one other thing about Kamala Harris that didn't brought up, during this weekend, she made a speech uh, railing against the law firm that defended Epstein. And at the same, very same time, her husband was holding a fundraiser with that law firm, and she received the money from that law firm. She is Hillary Clinton light, and I don't know why you are so in the pan for her. She is not going to be president because so many leftists will not vote for her just like they didn't for Hillary and all right, what my point, all right, to... wait
1: wait, you made a point, and I want to respond for a minute, and then I want to get no I'm gonna just get to the other what you said is very good. I'm just listening. When to go to other callers, okay uh Felicia in her car
7: hi um. I want to talk about the sisters, because for the first time in Congress, we have the most transparent group of leaders. They are open. They We, we see them actively. We've never seen people in committee speaking and, and exposing corruption the way these women do. Uh, they have my uh, complete and utter respect. And the main key to me, the most important key, is that they do not take corporate donations. They are not owned by corporations. Nancy Pelosi, she is completely owned by corporations, and that is why she comes up weak against Trump. Her donors are the same donors that own the GOP. For once, we now have leaders that do not answer to the corporations, that do not answer to the, to the large donors. And these women are leading the way. Bernie Sanders inspired them. They're inspired. People my age who are in leadership right now in Congress are also owned, and it's embarrassing to admit that, that these young ladies are representative of a generation who sees through this and refuses to accept this.
1: Thank you so much. Nice job. Thank you for being on Voices. I want to make sure, nicely said. Uh, We have Trinidad and Fortin.
4: Hey, how's it going? Um... I Just wanted to say, a shout out to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Um, I'm also a young person, a millennial, same age as her. And when I got the chance to meet her here in Anaheim, I was blown away by her authenticity. Um, but more, but we got to keep her in office. You know, we can't just have her be in there for one term, uh, cause a stir, and then uh, and then just be voted out by the establishment and corporations i think we really need to get behind her and if we're uh... in different parts of the country donate to her campaign and talk to her constituents and let them know what a great job great job we think she's doing uh... because she's the only one that i see really and truly speaking on the issue of the climate crisis which is going to decimate the planet if we don't take action now and as a young person that is one of my top priorities, so it's not like we can afford a Joe Biden presidency uh, when we know his climate plan is uh, not that good. If you <laughs> uh, could go
1: on bad. our website now, which is voicesfromthefrontlines.com, and register, that way you would get a weekly email from us. Uh, if you could send me an email at eric at voicesfromthefrontlines.com. Channing got stuff to say before? we get Chris from Riverside?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think there's a little bit of a narrative that's going on in the calls that I really don't like, which is that these four women are motivated by um, Bernie Sanders. And while that might be true, I think the narrative is that you can't even give them their own, you know, moment on their own, separate from looking towards a man who doesn't talk about race. He doesn't talk about any women's rights. Um, he can barely say the word African-American or black. And I think there does need to be more credit given directly to them, not say that they are good because they're being motivated, they were inspired by Bernie Sanders. They're good because they're pushing their own, you know, rightful you know agenda in some ways. And so...
1: OK, cool. And I I'll just let that go. I mean, meaning that's it. Uh, uh, Chris in Riverside. Hello, can you? Yes, you're on Voices. Please, everybody go on Voices from the Register yes. and we'll read your name next week. Go ahead, Chris.
10: Uh, yes. I was just wondering why you referred to these four congresspersons as sisters. If one of them were white, would you still refer to them as sisters?
1: Yeah, I would. I mean, if they were all white, I'm not sure if I would, because the concept of... Well, why
10: would you call them congresspeople? I mean, it seems pretty demeaning to call, just because they're women, to call them sisters.
1: Well, in the movement, you say, hey, brothers and sisters. That's how you start the meeting.
10: Well, no, you don't. It's not a movement. They have a title. They're congresspeople.
1: All right, you made your point. I, I don't know what the point is. that uh, point- you, you made the point. It's a good point. I don't agree with it. So I want to end with a couple of thoughts. Um, I may be too hard on Bernie. I'm trying to take this seriously. But it would be really good if one person who likes Bernie might say, you got some point that you're making because you don't understand. There is a profound crisis inside Bernie's campaign that he is trying to figure out, that has not yet figured out about race. Just go back and listen to him on abortion. I didn't do it. Listen, you know, here's the thing that you're not understanding, and this is, I want to make the last point. If Colin Powell is beat up by a white man, I'm on Colin Powell's side, and I think it's racist. And you don't have to tell me what's wrong with Colin Powell. He's part of an oppressed people. He's also part of US imperialism. Kamala Harris was a young woman in Berkeley who had to be bust into a hostile white situation. That is a reality in her life that cannot be swept away by the fact of all the other things we can say about her that are really horrific. So at the time that she is trying to say, this is what happened to me, Joe Biden said, I would not have ordered the federal government to protect your civil rights. And Bernie did not stick up for her. I stand by that fact. And to me, That's a big fact. If it's not to you, that's why we call it Voices from the Front Lines. And that's what Channing was saying as well. So, everybody, good show. I'm learning. I'm listening. Uh, See you next Tuesday. We begin Fund Drive. Stick around. We're going to still have good programming. So start saving your money. Get your credit card balance down because we're going to need you next Tuesday because this is the only station in the country where you can have this kind of conversation, right? All right, everybody. Thanks very much. See you next week.